Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Johnny? Well, that's strange. Is this Mrs. Kalen? Lila? Yes, someone from the police department asked me to call Sergeant Reynosa at this number, but I didn't... Yeah, Reynosa was trying to reach you, but your phone didn't answer. Well, I was just letting it ring. I was trying to get some sleep. Then the officer came by. Where are you, Johnny? What's happened? We're at the apartment of a girl named Marty Midnight. Ever hear of her? No, why? Lila, you better brace yourself, honey. You've got another shock coming. Shock? What do you mean? Your husband didn't die in that burning auto. Eddie's... Eddie's alive? No, no, not now. He was shot to death an hour and a half ago here in Marty's apartment. Who did it? I don't know yet. Hang on to yourself and I'll come by and see you as soon as I'm free here. Will you, Johnny, please? Promise. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account... America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Los Angeles, to the home office, Trinity Mutual Insurance Company Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Kalen matter. Expense account continued. The homicide squad was finishing up its work when Sergeant Reynosa and I got back out to the apartment of Marty Midnight, star stripper of the Brass Monkey Inn. Eddie Kalin's body had been photographed, checked, measured, fingerprinted, examined, sketched, written up, and reported on. Taken out finally under a white sheet. I held the door open for the morgue attendants to get out with their silent burden and stood watching them wheel the stretcher down the walk and load it into the waiting ambulance. A light mist had started to fall, and a damp, cold blanket of fog was seeping down from the dark hillsides of Griffith Park beyond the road. There was a feeling of finality in the air, of the end of things. And for the man who died twice, it was final. Yeah, there was no doubt about it this time. Eddie Kalin was dead. I am tired, Johnny. Just plain dead dog tired. Yeah, it's getting to be a long night. Sit down and start talking. Any uh, particular subject, Sergeant? You know what subject. You weren't surprised when you heard Eddie Kalin had been alive all this time that it wasn't his body in the wrecked car out in Palos Verdes. How come, Johnny? Why weren't you surprised? Because I was expecting it. Why else? No, you got to do more talking than that. Well, it started with a hunch. And the hunch started when you told me you found the door of Eddie Kalin's apartment locked. 
When you went there that night, he was supposed to have died. Yeah, I know. Locked with a key. You mentioned that, but... Well, that was the important part. If it had been a door with a night lock or a spring latch that snaps when you pull it shut, it wouldn't have been anything. It still doesn't, as far as I'm concerned. All right, look. There was evidence there'd been a fight in that apartment that night. We assumed that somebody had knocked Eddie unconscious or killed him there in the apartment, then taken his body out to his car, driven it out to the Palace Verdi's headland, and set fire to it. That's right. Then at the time that somebody left the apartment, the heat was on. Mm -hmm. They had a body on their hands. Maybe someone had heard the fight, called the police. They had to get out fast. Yeah, sure, but... Under those circumstances, can you imagine anybody taking the time to go through Eddie's pockets to find his door key and bothering to stop and lock the door behind them? That's illogical. Except for one person, Eddie himself. How do you figure? With him, it would be just a matter of habit, locking the door as usual when he left home. All right, Johnny, I see your point. Then how do you call the play that night? About the way we were tagging it, up to a point. Eddie won 60,000 bucks in that poker game with Topo Lee. He went home, either alone or with that friend of his, Pete Steimer. So? So Topo had no intention of taking that kind of a loss. So he sent his trigger man, Mike Kelso, to recover the money. The fight was between Eddie and Mike. Only Mike was the one who lost, not Eddie. And you figure Eddie put Mike Kelso's body in his car and drove it out to Palace Verdes and set fire to it? Sure. With Pete Steimer's help, probably. Well, it's possible. Body was practically destroyed. All we had for identification was the wallet, watch, keychain, and so on. They could have been planted. I think they were. It was a sudden idea, spur of the moment. But Eddie was ripe for it. There he was, with $60,000 in his pocket, but a dead man on his hands. And as far as his wife was concerned, I think the chance of shaking her and not sharing the money was just an added inducement. So he and Pete arranged for the body to be identified as his, and Eddie just disappeared. And holed up here in his girlfriend's apartment. Why not? He and Pete both. Apparently the three of them were planning to jump the country, judging by that forged birth certificate you found in there on the breakfast table. Only it didn't work out that way. Well, Eddie's dead. Really dead now. Pete and Marty have disappeared again, and the 60 grand is missing. Find them, and you find the money. Johnny, it sounds like the same old story. Big money, big temptation, and a falling out among friends. That's the most likely. Of course, there is one other possibility. What's that? Topo Leanley. Was he out? Yeah. How come? It's a rough combination, Johnny. Good lawyer on his side and a poor case on ours. He was sprung two hours before the neighbors reported the shooting here, the anonymous neighbor. Well... It could be, then. But I'm still betting it was Pete Steimer or Marty Midnight. I'm not betting anything anymore. The way things stand now, it's anybody's guess. His own gun, no prints on it. You pays your nickel and you takes your choice. Well, at least the field narrows down. Well, seems like we got a visitor. Probably one of the uniform boys on duty outside. Yes? The policeman outside say for me to come to you. I am Jeanette Dubois. Oh? Well, what can I do for you? Uh, I am the person who reports the shooting on the telephone. Come on in. Oh, merci, monsieur. How come you refuse to give your name when you phone the police? Uh, you are Captain? Sergeant Reynosa. This is Johnny Dollar, Mr. Dubois. Oh, he is also police? He's working with us on this. Now, why wouldn't you give your name when you reported the shooting? Oh, I, I am very sorry, monsieur. You see, I have not been in this country too long, and I am afraid that I will be implicated. So I do not give the name at first. But finally, I, I think it over, and I call my friend the consul, and he say I must come to you immediately. And he's right. So you heard the shooting, huh? Oui, monsieur. I, I was walking past in front. I, I live three places down from here. 
all of a sudden there is bang, 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 and I am scared to pieces. I can imagine. Then the door of this place is slammed open very quick, and I jump in the shadow behind a bush. A girl starts to come out, and then she stops in the door. What did she look like, Miss Dubois? It is too dark for telling good, but I have seen her before. I know from her hair, very long, black. Marty Midnight. Was that the one, the girl who lives here? Oui, monsieur. I did not know her name. All right, what happened then? She stand in the door for a second. She is wearing a, a, how you say it, a white raincoat. She is holding something in her hand. This thing she wipes with the raincoat all over. Then she throws it back into the room. Was it a gun? I think so. Then she pulls the door shut and runs down the street. I am too scared to think what to do for a minute. Then I hurry home very fast, and I telephone to the police. You didn't see anybody else around the place or in the street out in front? No, Monsieur Dollar. I watch from my window until the police have come. Nobody else has come out or go in. I see. Well, Sergeant? She won't get far. Girl with her looks draws too much attention. We'll pick her up before morning. Uh, thank you for your information, Miss Dubois. In view of your cooperation now, I think we can forget about you not telling us all this sooner. Does that mean I can go now? Yes, just leave your name and address with the officer outside. Oh, merci, monsieur. Au revoir. That kind of surprises me. I could figure the two of them together ganging up on Eddie. But apparently it was just morning midnight. All on her own. It's been done before, Johnny. They're not the weaker sex, no matter what the book says. I know. But the fact never fails to amaze me. It shouldn't. You must have been on some of the same kind of cases. I... The devil. Come on! The patrolman stationed at the back entrance of the apartment house told us what had happened. He'd surprised somebody, a man, he thought, lurking in the bushes beside the house. The prowler fired a shot and ran. He paid no attention to the order to halt. The patrolman had fired twice, missed. The fugitive had escaped into the dense underbrush of Griffith Park just across the street. Sergeant Reynosa spotted men quickly along the edge of the brush, set up a portable spotlight from the squad car, sent his other car up an access road to block off the ridgeline, radioed for reinforcements. Within five minutes, a 15-acre area of the slope was surrounded and blocked off. Well, what do you say, Johnny? Should we go in after him? Yeah, looks like we'll have to. He seems to be the shy type. Call it. Who do you think? I'm putting my money on top only. Good bet. Let's go. Keep that crowd back out of the way. All right, couldn't be any darker in here. Oh, water. Hey, shoot your flash over there toward the right. No, it's an old stump. All right, we've got you surrounded. You'd better come out with your hands up. If you try to resist, you'll only make it tougher on yourself. You hear something then? No. It was over to the left, I think. Let's take a look. Watch yourself, Johnny. He's thrown lead once already. Yeah. I'd... There. Back of that tree. Hold your flash steady. There. I see him. Come out with your hands up. It's your last chance. I'm warning you. I got no choice, Johnny. He's down. Come on, Sergeant. Well, what do you know? It wasn't Topolini. It was Eddie Kalin's friend, Pete Steimer. Expense account item nine, one dollar for a newspaper, two packs of cigarettes, and a cardboard carton of hot coffee purchased from an all-night diner across the street from the Queen of the Angels Hospital. 
I took them up to the police emergency ward, room 612, pulled a chair up in front of the window and sat down to wait. Pete Steimer was still unconscious, still hadn't been able to speak a word since he dropped to the ground with Sergeant Reynos' bullet in his chest. So I waited. Outside, the cold mist was still coming down steadily. The night was pretty far gone. It was less than three hours before dawn. A nurse sat silently beside the bed. The only sound in the room was the hoarse, slow breathing of the wounded man. After a while, the nurse left the room for something, and Pete seemed to rouse slightly at the sound of the door. Where, where am I? Take it easy, Pete. Don't try to talk. Eddie. Is... Is Eddie here? No, he's not here. He ought to be here. It's... It's always been like this. Relax now. It's, it's all right. Eddie always runs out and... And leaves somebody else to, to... Easy now, easy. Somebody else to... Face the music. Pete. And those were his last words... before he went to face the music. Here's our star to tell you about the final intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, a quarry run to earth, a strange alibi, and a shocking twist at the wind-up. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Les Crutchfield, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. (laughs) 